Welcome to the latest episode of the Visions and Tones podcast. In today's episode, I am talking to a friend. He's a South African, but he's currently in Russia doing his medicine. He's going to tell us a little bit about himself. His name is Siabonga Matlangu, and he wrote a book. I believe this is uh, it's, uh, his first book, and it's titled Echoes of a Young, Silent Voice. We're going to talk just a little bit about the book and a few stuff that he raises, arguments that he raises in the book, and just dissect a little bit on that. Sia, welcome to the Visions and Tones podcast. It's good to have you. Oh, Thank you very much, Mr. Tones. Thank you so much for having uh, me. And uh, good evening, I think, on your end. Uh, it's yes. good evening on your side. And it's good morning on my side. Right. How's Russia? Uh, well, uh, Russia is just an incredible place. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah whenever you uh, actually from South Africa coming towards this side, it's to kind of like, you know, have expectations. And sometimes, yeah, the expectations are met, but I think they're only met in in, in, in winter because it's very cold during that season. Uh, uh, but uh, then now in summer, it's extremely hot also. Yeah, but well, it's it's a very, it's a great city. I love the people and the energy they give and uh, everything about it is just so, I mean, splendid, if I can say. And uh, for now we are on holidays. So I can say that we are just enjoying our time and our space this side, yeah. Just a very character assassinating question. How's the Russian bear there? Is it the same as the one in South Africa? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, uh, I wouldn't say I really know how it tastes like, but um, I haven't tasted it yet. <laughs> yet to taste it? <laughs> probably, probably. But uh, there's a traditional, I wouldn't not say it's a beer or something, but uh, it's a traditional drink that the Russians have. They call it a kvass. Yeah, it's one of my favorite. It's fermented, uh, I think, uh, juice, if I would put it like that. But it's absolutely amazing. If you don't know alcohol, instead, you would think that you are drinking alcohol and it's just mm, fermented uh, juice. That's all it is. <laughs> right. I just wanted to destroy you a little bit there before we get into the book, because the book is painting you as a very brilliant young man. So I just wanted to destroy you a little bit there. Um, your book, uh, I went through your book. I went page to page. Um, first thing first, congratulations. I really want to commend you for taking the time uh, to write something. Um, writing is hard isn't it? it I, I don't know how it is for you, but writing is hard. I think, I think also as an academic, I think regardless of whether you're writing from a perspective of using data or you're writing from a personal perspective, it's hard because you also think about the fact that somebody is going to be reading this, but you're not sure who's going to be reading this and you're not sure how they're going to perceive true, your work. True. And it's sort of a space where you allow yourself to be vulnerable. You, you know, you, 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 you sort of inviting people to come and criticize you. But before we can mm -hmm. get to the hard part, I want to commend you for taking the time to do this. Uh, not so many people really, um, are into writing you you know if they write they write terribly you see even on twitter it's just a lot of you know baseless opinions that people are putting up there but yes. for you i mean you took a great time Twitter. to sit down and you write about 155 plus pages uh this is really amazing and great challenges coming out from here so basically what we're going to be doing 
Um, I listened to also some of your work interviews you did with the South African Broadcasting, whatever, um, SABC, and I liked your interview. I enjoyed it. Um, And I listened to some of your work also, which I'm not going to say for now. Uh, I like the fact that you're very well spoken, articulate, and I sense also part of your responses, you know, coming out in terms of your writing in your book. But I want to do something completely different towards what most of the people did in other interviews because other interviews is most like just mm. Q&A and whatnot. But I want to sort of give you a bit of a pushback in terms mm. of this conversation. And I'm hoping that the pushback, uh, um, I mean, the pushback is not even a matter of right answer or wrong answer, but it's a space where we have to learn, but also give sort of um, uh, a chance for the listeners to sort of think even wider than what the book has accomplished, how the book has gone. So congratulations for this book. It, it took me a bit of a while because I'm busy with many other things, but nonetheless, it was a great read. I commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that's honestly a thrill and I'm just excited. And I also like waiting to hear your constructive criticism, if I can put it. That's what I always say. <laughs> I'm not sure if I, I have any constructive criticisms. We'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, when I was reading the book, it's, it, I, I kind of like, got stuck somewhere because I'm trying to understand, are you writing an autobiography? Is it a memoir? What is it exactly? But nonetheless, I think there's too many books that have been written, you know, on most of the topics that you wrote about, you know, make, making a reflection of your life, educating people on, you know, a bit of spiritual aspect and psychological aspect. But here's my question. Why should people read your book? What, what nuance are you bringing? Because there's a lot of books already um, with, of this nature. Yes, yes. Well, I, so I personally think that uh, people should actually go for my book because uh, my target audience, I would say that it's young people. And uh, most of the time in our generation that we are living in, uh, because I'm from Generation Z, I'm the Generation Z. So in our time, I don't really think that we do have materials that could really speak to us uh, in this current moments that we are in. Uh, I reflect on issues that we like uh, constantly face each and every day. I mean, you wake up in the morning and you find yourself in this world clustered with confusion and you always try by all means to live out from, from the level of your chest because you just need to go out there and face the world. So my book per se speaks to our current moments and uh, the aspect of the entire book, even today when I read the book, I actually saw that uh, the reflection of which I, I I go about or my pinpointer, it's the emotional and the psychological aspect of uh, a, a young person, because that's what I, that's who I am talking to. So for them, I think it's a great tool uh, of application, a great tool that one could use to actually navigate through their ways of becoming a better person. Person, I believe. So yes. what type of young people in particular? Is it young people who are, who've made it, who are making it, young people who are still sort of in the dark? What kind of young people? Because of my story, I would say that it would be for young people that 
are in the dark, trying to make it out there, trying to be a better version of themselves, trying to navigate life. But I don't want to put a certain demarcation on it, but I want to also extend the invitations to the ones who are already in the light, but who wants to get the insight of the ones who are still in the dark. Because sometimes I think we make the mistake of really like talking towards the curtains. We Meanwhile, we haven't been behind the curtains. We don't know what's happening. So it's a great extent for those who also want to know what really goes on in the life of a person that is in the dark, a young person that's still trying to find and navigate their lives in becoming a better version of themselves. And in terms of the genre, where would you locate it? I think just in the few moments away, I said, I was trying to sort of make sense of whether this is an autobiography or this is a memoir. So where would you locate it? When I had to like uh, put it on Amazon, uh, I think they asked me a lot of uh, such questions like where is your book exactly located? But I would say that it's a memoir and also it's a, what it's a memoir and also it's some sort of an educational uh, educational book that also adds on to a bit of uh, mental health and psychological and uh, and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in terms of your uh, philosophy, um, I hear you speaking about you locating a bit of mental and spiritual. It seems to me that it has a lot of leaning towards the religious. And um, yes, you do touch aspect of the mental, but I was sort of like trying to figure out the mental. Is it anchored on any psychological work that you maybe peruse in the looks of life or, or in what sense? So can you, can you speak to us more in terms of the philosophy of your work? Uh, why the spiritual? And it seems as if the spiritual is sort of uh, more, you know, incorporated compared to just maybe the psychological work or even the deep philosophical work in itself. Yes, sir. Well, to be honest, Mr. Thomas, if I could put it like this here, that um, in terms of my philosophy, before I could like start writing the book, I had a lot of ideas and I was trying to like encapsulate everything together, everything or every aspect of a young person life and that on its own it's the psychological it's the mental it's the spiritual and also a bit of like the physical part because i think uh, the world that we live in today it, it improves and it like perforates everything towards us as a burden of some sort so i was just trying to put it everything together so that when one reads it does not only become um uh like edified on just one part of their life, but all the different aspects of their lives. Mm-hmm. The, yes. departure, the, the departure captured my attention and I loved it because you sort of speak about, uh, that's chapter one, if, if, I, if, I'm, yes. if, if I would locate it. You speak about growing up playing in the streets, that used to be life. But then you also speak about how technology come and disrupts you know, the childhood life, the fun, playing in the streets, you know, uh, uh, indigenous games and so on and so forth. Um, I felt like that was a very beautiful um, uh, departure, you know, um, 
can you can you just speak to us a little more about that? Why why did you have why did you think of coming from that particular departure? Mm. I think it was just a way of me telling it all where it began, uh, trying to connect the starting point to an ending point of everything. So when I started with that part, I just wanted to uh, give my readers the attention of where I actually come from, where our generation comes from uh, in re in regards to where we are today, because where we began, you know, from the time when we were growing up to where we are today, we were still trying to find ourselves. We were still living, I would say, for lack of a better word, living life to its best potential, because we never really had so many questions about life, because what we thought where life was all about, it was just waking up in the morning, having another good day, going to play in the streets and the bushes and whatsoever, but we really did not have a constructive meaning of where we are actually going because in the trace of us um, growing up, it's like a way that we need to find ourselves and locate ourselves in terms of where are we going. So I just felt like the best way in which I would capture my, uh, my reader's attention, it's bringing them uh, to my childhood where everything began. But as a Gen Z, also, it seems as if you had a bit of the both sides. As a child, you grew up playing indigenous games, but at the same time, you have technology. And, and today you hear a whole lot of criticisms where, you know, people who did not have like any touch of that, gen of that technology growing up, they'll say kids of today are spoiled, kids of today are not respectful because they, you know, just glued onto their phones and playing games. You, you have to call them a billion times before they can come to you and execute whatever you want them to do. But at the same time, mm -hmm. kids who are on the technological aspect will always say that older people are not understanding the new lifestyle, they're not understanding the new trends. So for somebody who's got a bit of a touch for both, what would you say these two groups miss about the other in terms of the timing of when technology comes in and in terms of also the educational aspect because I think also the criticisms of saying young kids of today uh, they're so much in touch you know uh, having certain attachments to technology it's not just a critique particularly about just being in touch with technology it, it, it's I think it's it's deeper than that people missing certain values the importance of you know social seating the importance of you know sharing things uh, on a close and personal like being on a face-to-face -face and understanding you know what does it mean to give quality time on a face-to-face -face than on 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 our screens I think I, I already gave in a little bit of a response, but I don't know how you can dissect it. <laughs> what would you say the two groups are missing? Let me not let me not let me not say further. Yeah. Well, I think the the, the two groups uh, between the others and us, the millennials, um, it's the fact that we see the technology for the goodness of it. And the other group, they see technology for the worst of it because in their times, it was a generation where life was a bit, I would say it was a bit easier. But also I criticize that on that fact because 
they were, it was on their times and they lived life and made it happen and it worked for them at that specific um, um, era of life. And in ours at the same time, it's also edifying towards us. Uh, but let me just say this here that technology on its own, it gives us the best of both, but it depends on that, on a certain generation on how it works for them. For our generation, yes, it took away a bit of the face-to-face -face kind of relations. It took away, I mean, the 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 hardworking um, the hardworking junkies in us because nowadays it's much easier for you to like technically access things and try to get you know to understand what's happening in the world, but. Also, at the same time, it made life much more easier on our end. And how I projected this whole thing of technology, I was just trying to create um, a meaning towards the whole idea of life because technology is one of the closest reference that we could actually understand as young people today. So when we do a trace back, I mean, in the what the... 18th century or the first century in a way uh, and they were using what it was the first industrial uh, uh, revolution to the second and so forth and compare it to the today as time the fine line in between the two it's that the essence of technology was simple it was just one thing to make life better to make life easier the more uh, time progresses. And the only thing that we saw around these two generations, it's that it's just the changes that were occurring. But the fine line, which is the essence of why this technology, it was brought so that it would make life easier. Hence, it's in. I brought it into this relation of us as young people trying to navigate our lives of becoming a better vision of ourselves that us being on earth, we have a certain purpose that we have to accomplish. And it does not matter on the certain roller coasters that we go through. But our roller coasters simply mean that it's, it's taking us to our next generation or it's taking us to our next step of life, which I tried to create that fine line in between. I'm not sure if uh, that's yeah, sensible get, enough. It, it is. I get you. And I like the fact that you keep making the reflection of being better versions of ourselves, which I, I guess that will be like a greater part of our conversation in the, probably the next few uh minutes or in the next few questions or whatever the case. Um, in your book, at some point, you introduce a character, Lundi, right? Lundiwe. Yes, yes, and, yes. And of which after Lundiwe, in the next few chapters, you speak somewhat, you define somewhere uh, success, what do you mean by success? And you speak about dating and whatever the case. But here's the thing. Yes. I love the fact that you, you were introducing a certain character. And when I was reading, I was like, oof. I'm glad that there's a character. I'd love to see how the character helps paint, you know, the entire book, you know, um, going forward. Mm -hmm. But at the same yes. time, I could not help. Um, perhaps this is one of the shortfalls where I could say, if the book falls within a memoir, even, even though it was probably even an autobiography or whatever, but this is what I felt like was missing in the book. The real account right. of your story. Uh, who, who, mm -hmm. who is Sia? And, and there's a bit of an, 
you, you are alluding somewhere that um, Sia was this notorious guy, met up with people and whatnot. And I mean, in chapter in the in 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 chapter one, you speak about you know growing up, you know. Um, playing indigenous games and whatnot, but somewhere later on, probably around, you know, your chapters five, three, four, five, somewhere there, there's somewhere where you sort of allude a little bit about how you are around older people and they're teaching you bad things or whatever the case. But I was trying to connect, how did we get there? So a bit of your story, I felt, I felt like this is one thing I could point as a shortfall within the book. Is there any particular reason why you were doing that? Because I think, I would have loved to hear your story coming in a lot and then hear how does, how does your story then connect towards, you know, the advices that you were giving to people. You're speaking somewhere about dating, you're giving advices about dating, but there's no story that tells us about CS love life. That is, that is somewhere hidden. So I, I kind of like uh, uh, disconnected with the book in that sense. Can you paint a picture uh, for us about Sia first, who is Sia and, and, and maybe respond to us. Why is your story a little shady? I call it a little shady because it's like yes. you, you kind of touch here and there with it to sort of make a point and then you run away from it. You ran away from something yes. that I should have been understanding yes. much more. Why is that the case? And then we'll take, we'll take, we'll, we'll, I'll come back so we can take over from Londi with a, where I felt like Londi's story was very interesting. But can, can we talk about yourself at the moment? <laughs> All right. So um, actually, um, I would say that, uh, that because of the creative space that we are in, and we are all obviously trying to capture, I mean, our audience and so forth. So it was an intentional uh, doing, if I may put it like that. Sorry, an uh, intentional? Because, Did you say intentional? Yes. Right. Yes, it was intentional. It was intentional uh, because I think I first had to give my story first and then outlay the lessons after. But I decided because it was some sort of like, um, I, even myself, I would say that I was a bit of like trying to navigate everything because we're trying to encapsulate everything in a young person's life. So my point was like, I cannot really write everything right now because if I do that, then my book has to be like the size of a Bible if it has to be like that, because I have so much to outlay. So I decided that, no, let me just capture a certain point or a certain phases of this life of becoming a young person. And then outlay my stories now in the coming, in the next coming books. So that at least by the time when I am probably around about um, 50 years old, somebody could read my story and actually see the outlaying out of it. Because at this moment in my life, I would say I made it and I've changed, but I haven't gotten to that, um, that pick at which somebody can look at and be like, oh yeah, this guy really made it. So I'm still in that process of making it. So the whole part was just an intentional doing that. I will tell my story nicely in the second and in the third and in the fourth. So what, if I die? what if I die without then getting there? I would have missed the entire education. I get what you're saying. It's a style that you mm -hmm. bring, right? But at the same time, yes. I, I think had I gotten more of your story, part of the arguments or part of the advices that you're given, they would have been more persuasive to me. 
But because I feel like they are a little bit missing here and there, therefore I find myself kind of like disconnecting to the book, you know? So let me give you, yeah. let me give you an example, a religious example, since you, you, you sort of have a spiritual leaning in your book. I think yes, for yes. me, on a biblical context, for instance, I would relate a lot to the teachings and the writings of Paul compared to mm -hmm. the writings of Peter, mm -hmm. simply because I know, right. I know Paul's lifestyle, that he wasn't even that kind of a perfect human being. And therefore, when he was still Saul, and therefore, when I have to come and get his teachings, um, I, I also get to hear the voice and the space in which he's writing from. And also the good thing about mm -hmm. Paul is his capability to write in a sense that he'll tell you this is Holy Spirit inspired and also to be able to tell you that this is my own opinion. But for, for yes. somebody that I already know his life, it becomes much more easier for me to sort of believe the person than if you are sort of concealing a part of your life, but you want to give any, you want to give an advice about something. It feels to me yeah. as though, uh, yeah, but that's a popular thing that everybody says. Have you been through the process yourself? What can I get uh, from your process in comparison to what myself I'm doing? Don't you think that that in itself could be, could, could sort of uh, paint your book in a bad light, so to say, the fact that you, you keep your readers in suspense, but not in suspense for the next chapter or for the next line, but in suspense for the next books. And in fact, you might hit the most important aspect that people want on your fifth book and they've exhausted the four books and they feel a little bit tired. Mm -hmm. Isn't that, yes. isn't that yeah. sort of a bit of a delaying yourself to, to say, let me just get to the point, make my story known and get to the point, and that's how they relate to it. If people uh, 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 rebuttal or if people debunk whatever I'm pointing out, whatever, it's something that can be clarified perhaps in other yes. books and keeping the story in suspense. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting you heavy already on the, on the air time. <laughs> Not even halfway well, through what it should be going through. <laughs> no, I think it's actually a good one because um, most people that have actually written, um, uh, that actually read the, the, the book, they always come back to me and be like, but we, we, we did not get exactly like what you are implying or whatsoever it is that you are trying to give us and stuff. And I'm like, all right, that was my point of departure, which means that I am still coming up with more more writing within that process and so forth. So I think I would not account for a reader, obviously, that that dies in a way, but I'm not saying that anybody will die, yes, but I'm just trying to say that... <laughs> sure, they will die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's you are accountable for that <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but i'm just trying to create a series of of, of writing because i don't want to write out of exhaustion and uh, after some couple of years i'm like what is it that i have to write about now because i always want to be um I always want to be relevant to each and every generation. 10 years down the line also, I will still be able to pinpoint a certain part of my life. And I'm like, oh, this is what I've experienced. And the same thing is happening right now. So then create a platform so that people will be able to, to engage with me in my writing. Mm -hmm. um, Londi, I'm not sure if I may have captured this very well. Oh, okay, it's two people. I almost said Londi was your mentor, but that's not what you said. There's Londi and there's yeah. your mentor, probably your spiritual mentor. Yeah. 
it, uh, there are characters that you sort of like bring in a little bit into the book, but you just touch a little bit yes. on. Um, uh, I'm moved by, you know, the story of Lundi. I think that's a beautiful chapter. How you uh, use Lundi's story to point to people how they should chase, you know, their dreams. Um, you know, you know, um, and I'm th- I thought to myself, this is beautiful, you know, and, 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 Blessed are those who get the chance to sort of leave what they're currently doing to go and do something completely different. So when I asked earlier on the question as to which kind of young people uh, that you're targeting, I think in my mind, what was also happening was also, you know, not just young people who are in the dark in, 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 in a context of, you know, living a notorious life or whatever the case. But I was also thinking in terms of like the demographics of human beings. I was, I was thinking in terms yes. of their, their economics and whatever the case, because for sure, Londi could do what she did, leave her job and whatnot um, and go do something yes. else. But obviously I'm thinking there's also other people out there who may not have the privilege to do that. They, they, they're, they're sort mm-hmm. of bound by different things. Some, it could even be black text, the fact that I, because mm-hmm. there's black text, I cannot let go of uh, my current job to go and pursue studying overseas or whatever the case. Um, mm-hmm. um, if you were to sort of, let's say, rewrite something, not that what you wrote is bad or it's wrong, but it's just my way yeah, of thinking yeah. in terms of how can we reach a different audience than what we just intend to do at this particular moment. So perhaps as a yeah. sequel, if I was to think of somebody that I never included in the first book, how would I think about it? So if you were to write something in a context where you begin to position somebody who also has the urge, you know, or, or the wish to can leave whatever they're doing because it's very much stressful, but pursue their dreams, but they're sort of like, yeah. you know, bound by, you know, different complexities in their lives. It could be black text, it could be whatever the case. If you were to write something in a way that you are inclusive of them, how would it look like? Mm. All right. Well, pardon me if I tackle this one differently. So from Londi's um, story, I would say that um, it's more of a nothing is impossible kind of story that I'm trying to persuade. And me by doing that, it's from the interjectory of becoming a young person and you trying just to navigate everything at once is to try and show you that uh, the picture at which the picture that you are like constantly having becoming a young person and trying to pursue whatsoever it is um, it's more than that there's something that's that's just beyond just that I mean if 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 Londi's life as a whole, it's just the window that we are all trying to get to. I am trying to paint a picture that it's beyond that. It's, it, it just does not end right there. Or it's not all about that because there's something much deeper, something much more relatable and something that will resonate with the you because everything that every young person wants to pursue in our day and time it's simply getting a good job i mean growing up uh, becoming this good boy getting a good job i mean having money and cars and so forth i mean that's every young person's dream but 
what I'm trying to 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 in, induce here is that it's not just about that dream that we are having. It's not just about the materialistic aspect of it that we should run for, but what we have to run for first is the passion kind of uh, 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 life, the life that would actually get get us where we want to be, not the things that we want in life, but it must be the things that that really resonates with us from in from in an internal aspect of life. So, and painting that, I still continue obviously to give um, the the aspect of purpose that it's 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 just not about going to school, waking up every morning, becoming a doctor, becoming uh, uh, an engineer, and having money and so forth. But it has to do more with passion and what really your godly given a task is. Mm-hmm. I mean yes. that's 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 beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean I, I like I like I like the the picture that you're painting for me. Um, I had kind of like different thoughts around different. Um, uh, so many things, but I mean it's a, what I wanted to say is that, and also if if it's about beyond. Um, you kept on saying it's not just about the little things close here. It's it's deeper than that, or it's beyond that. I was thinking also in the in a sense of time, right? Mm. Would it be mm. right for one to think that yeah, for now you might be bound by these different kind of things. You might be bound by black text. You might be bound by parents, you know, imposing on you what you should be studying, and even if it's not something that you want to study, but you want something else. But nonetheless, never let the passion within you to die or be discouraged by, you know, the little stuff that are happening here right now. So you are right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking more about, you know, what would beyond look like, what would beyond be in a sense that some people even reach their goals, not from a young age, but they reach their goals and they really reach their breakthrough when they already yes. old, when they already old, but th- what does that mean? Mm. You know, they did not die uh, within within themselves. But obviously, there should be a caution between one who who might miss their Kairos moment. They might miss their best time mm. because they're sort of slumbering on whatever passion they have, or slumbering on whatever dreams they have, instead of uh, um, um, planning ahead and pursuing whatever they want to pursue in life. So mm. success. Can you can you paint that for us? You speak about success in the book, and yes, sir. in terms of success, I felt like you limiting success more in the context of passion and purpose. Where would you locate luck, and where would you locate outcome? Because I think I think we grew up understanding that success can be measured through the lens of an outcome. Um, yes. Are you are you are you sort of deviating from that? Are you writing it off completely, or absolutely not? Absolutely not. Um, I would say that the superficial idea of what success is in terms of our generation, our generation Z, it's just about the materialistic aspects of things. And I am trying to regenerate that to be like, it's not 
about that. It's not just about growing up, uh, becoming this person that you want to be. And um, I mean, having money in the world that you want to have and so forth. It, I'm not saying it's not that, but I'm just saying mm. that it's more just that. It's more than just that. Because I'm trying to draw a, pin, a picture from our, our previous generation and so forth. I mean, today you still find, um, uh, I mean, somebody who has it all in life, who has it like all in life, the money, the kind, everything, all the materialistic aspects, but you find that they are still struggling in terms of their internal being and which is what I'm trying to paint point here that success is more of liberty and living from within than it is more than with having these outcomes and so forth. So it's more of liberty being free within. It's an internal thing that you have to persuade. And once you persuade that, then it your, your, then it will lead you to the outcomes at which you want. Because sometimes we run for the outcomes, not checking the link that draws us towards the outcomes. Mm -hmm. So it's first developing that, that inner being of you, trying to understand who you are, what is it that makes you happy, and what is it that really resonates with you in terms of where you want to be. And ultimately, you will be where you have to be. Success is fulfillment, but not fulfillment yes. in personal materialistic things of this world. Mm. Success is a nice life. And mm. a nice life is passion. And that is defined as engaging in all aspects that gives a heart satisfaction without any hesitation and by serving your purpose. Um, it is what we do that undoubtedly define our success, not what we have. Yes. So that is you on page um, 24. Yes. That's, that's, what, that's what it is for me here. Because I think um, it, it, it really, it, it, it's really a great expression of living alive to the extent of what you have in your, like what you feel and what you have in terms of your purpose. So if purpose is your tar road, then you as a car, it's much more comfortable for you to flow on it. And it's much easier for you to move to your point A to your point B if purpose and passion is your talk because it will just create that smoothness within your role and you will ultimately get there. But once you decide to actually go to or remove the tar road, it will be difficult because you will certainly have harms and you will not enjoy. I'm not saying that you won't have challenges, obviously, when you have purpose and passion, but it, it will be much more of the kind of gratitude challenges that you would face and be like, oh, it's hard, but I'm actually enjoying this. 
and it's actually teaching me and it's actually developing me in terms of growth and so forth. And, and so that's, that's the picture. When I listen to you now in the way that you're actually saying, I'm trying to find myself, are you trying to play the maze with us as your readers? Because in the way you're sort of saying it now, I'm capturing you much yes. more than when I was going through the book. Why does it sound like in the book <laughs> you're trying to play hide and seek with us in a way? <laughs> I wouldn't say that I was actually playing hide and seek uh, because if I was playing, if I was not trying to actually take out everything as it is, um, I think I would, I would make the book very long and extremely wrong. No, it's not about making the book very extremely long. It's in a sense yes. that perhaps it's because of maybe the other silence. Because if you listen to sort of my line of questioning, I'm trying to point out things that I know they are there, but I feel like they're sort of downplayed. Yes. I feel like mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I'm saying. There's a bit of a there's a bit of a uh, plain hide and seek. I know what you're saying is there, but I feel like yeah. it, it, it is kind of like. Um, downplayed but at the same time i feel like it is, it is very much more important also to understand you know the aspect of those things to say yeah at the same time it could be about person it could be about purpose but what's going to happen to person and purpose without me seeing the outcome right because mm, 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 mm -hmm, i have to see mm -hmm. the outcome in order for me to can feel that yeah i'm going the right direction i'm doing what is supposed mm. to be to be done but if i'm going to just focus on the passion and 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 you know and leave out um, the outcome i'm not sure to what extent can people persevere at the same time yes you get what yes. i'm saying yes. so that's what i'm saying i feel mm. like it's there but it's kind of like in a way a little bit downplayed um, mm. um, hardships as part of our lessons. You get what I'm saying? Because yes. also people yeah. making bad decisions, it seems as if there's people making bad decisions. Almost every writer who writes a motivational book doesn't seem to be thinking about, yeah, what's going to happen if you made a bad decision and you never died? How can you turn that into something mm. great? It seems as if there's always a push to say to people, never make bad decisions. But that's not necessarily mm -hmm. how everybody learns some of the people are going to get a little bit burnt so that they can become better versions of themselves you know mm -hmm. what what can mm -hmm. you say about that because i'm 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 getting what you're saying but i feel like there was yeah. a bit of a downplaying of some of the hard things and and obviously perhaps it's the it's the philosophy you're coming in. You're coming, like I said, I could sense the spiritual and the religious because the spiritual and the religious overemphasizes the fact that, you know, be this righteous young person, be this good person mm -hmm. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to get blessings. But I'm thinking it could be the way, but, you know, if, if, if your particular cohort that you're looking at is not necessarily people who are leaning towards a spiritual aspect, it's any human being, therefore, mm, to follow a religious platform might not necessarily be their thing. And I, and I mean, in the book, you also advise a lot of young people to say they should go to churches, they should find it, any group, you know, that can help them become better versions of themselves. I like the fact that yeah. you didn't only just leave it towards, you know, the church in itself you kind of like touched me mm. about other social groupings and whatnot and i was like okay this is beautiful this now caters for a different kind of cohort than just a cohort that only focuses on a spiritual aspect you know because i was also thinking yeah. in a sense of um you know you know uh 
how even the church in itself could be harmful. And that's one aspect also that I felt like it is sort of uh, uh, not there in your book. <laughs> I mean, some of, some, of, some of the points that people will raise in your book or the criticisms or even what I'm raising now, yes. I, I, I don't want you to feel like it's, it's, it is people saying you've done a bad job. That's that's the yep, hardship yep. of writing, as I said in the beginning, right? Of course, yeah. So, so <laughs> it, it, it's an invitation to the author to say, okay, think again, and and not that you never thought before, but think again in a sense of if you were nice. to write a sequel, how should the sequel look like? Um, how mm-hmm. ready are you to tap into dangerous territories than choosing an easy way out? Because mm-hmm. for me today, mm-hmm. finding a lot of writers saying to people, you know, follow a church group and whatnot so you can become a better version of yourself. I, I consider that as choosing an easy way out. But that easy true, way out true. needs to be further interrogated because there's too many people who are hurt by churches today. You get what I'm saying? Exactly. And there's too many That's people who are not even in a part of a church, but they're doing far greater because church itself can exacerbate your pain or church can inflict a new level of pain. Church in itself can be a stumbling block to your growth because you'll find right. if you have an idea mm-hmm. and the idea does not lean towards a spiritual level, you'll find that mm-hmm. probably even yourself, mm-hmm. your religious leaders might have pushed you to say, make sure there's an aspect of God in the book, even if you felt like, but I don't want an aspect of God in the book. Oh God, yeah, yeah, rewriting the Bible, yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I per se would, um, all right, the more you were talking, this, um, I just wanted to tap in, tap in, tap in here and there. Uh, but I would say that uh, in terms of every uh, young person, because everything that's written in the book, it correlates with my experience and with how I am coming up with it. Because I think, um, as I noted, that uh, sometimes it's very difficult to really note out what's behind the curtains if you haven't been behind the curtain. So for me, I would say that these are the curtains that I know and these are the curtains that I've been through. And somebody who had been in a different place, different behind different curtains, would also come up with their way of trying to address the issue and so forth. So with 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 what I am trying to outlay here uh, in terms of the passion and the, the passion and success, it's that it 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 becomes much easier for you to actually get your results mm-hmm. and for you to be content with your results. Because one uh, critical aspect that we normally see from our elders is, is, is them not being content with everything that they have, because you'd find somebody that still drives one of the best kind of the world, but they are still not happy. You'd find somebody, you know, living, um, um, the let me just pr- put this uh, the gram the 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 the, the gram kind of lifestyle, but you find that that they are not portraying who they are internally. So, in other words, I would say that if we carry on, we focus our energy more on the outcomes without us having this passion and this success, because that what leads us today. We are basically saying that we are actually having a hypocritic life in a way. So it is much better for you to have your success 
being led by success and uh, having your success being led by passion more than any other thing because once passion becomes the foundation and that's when you actually navigate your way through up and it becomes very much more easier for you either than you just trying to rush because once you get your outcomes and then you just be stuck and you will be miserable and so forth so that's the picture that i was just uh, trying to paint right. yeah beautiful great beautiful. in chapter 3 you speak about first date yeah and and, and like i said in the beginning like i said in the beginning um, you concealed your love life but you kind of like allude about few burns here and there and and perhaps hence the, <laughs> yeah, the reason yeah. why you kind of like uh, not in a dating life are you dating now you're not dating uh yes yes uh i am dating now i oh, am okay. dating another another story. another character assassination now is that why you are cuffed <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> well, I can we move on to the next question. <laughs> There's a line that you say in the chapter about dating where you sort of say people have to get their priorities right. They have to look at the fact that they are best human versions or whatever before they can engage in dating and whatever the case and the line you actually use a line that says i might para i'm not sure if it's a direct quote i'm paraphrasing you say yes they have to find themselves first before they can engage mm. in dating and i thought yes. to myself I'd, i'd like to hear you expand that for us um Mm, is it a matter mm, of mm. you'll find yourself find yourself first and what does find yourself first mean does it mean i have to find myself uh in a, in a totality mm. without being in a relationship or i have to find a certain aspect of myself and what does finding myself mean does it mean finding myself in a sense of mm. how to control mm. my emotions finding myself in a sense of uh my psychological mm-hmm. space and how and also finding myself in a sense of financially i'm coding those things because i mm-hmm. feel like i feel like those are the most important things that are likely to sort of destroy relationships uh one yeah. em- emotions which are also linked to the psychological if you if you if you're not fine psychologically yeah. and you're not dealing with your traumas and what not you can carry that baggage into your relationship and it might destroy your relationship and then mm-hmm. uh, uh a certain thing would be finances if you're not fine financially finances are one of the things that basically can also destroy uh relationships um yeah. very greatly so when you speak about finding yourself can you paint for a picture for us what do you mean finding yourself and mm-hmm. is it finding myself entirely or those first big principles in a sense that i feel like mm-hmm. some people also find themselves when they're in relationships but it's it could be on other things than than mm-hmm. certain things mm-hmm. right one might Legit. find themselves yeah. uh in a sense of um can i perform in bed and that might be a very funny joke but it's an issue True. that can destroy people's yeah. identity and it's an issue that can also affect people psychologically so so people might find themselves 
in that aspect to say how how strong can I be? Yeah. Can I carry my emotions yeah. well? Or or am I a person that when I'm feeling down, I just want to resort to having sex, using sex as a way mm-hmm. out of my problems or or whatever the case. Um, um, I would have loved to, to sort of hear more of a picture painted on that because I can hear your idea. I can hear what you're trying to say, but I feel like there were like those kind of fundamental things about finding yourself. What does finding yourself mean? You know? Mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I would just start here to give a bit of a backdrop with the with the instigator of this whole chapter, why I felt that it was important. Mm-hmm. So growing up, becoming a notorious boy, because everything I think I just related this part to the first phase of my life, I guess. So with how Sia was or the different, um, uh, I mean, uh, tunnels that I've walked through was from, you know, when you grow up from the locations and uh, the only thing that is being praised, you know, is, I mean, finding yourself in relationships and uh, our so-called South African term, which is umjolo. And that is one of the aspects or the precautions that really destroys the, the lives of young people. Like we try by all means to to chase like uh, dating as if it's some sort of an, an achievement in a way. It's like without it, we cannot breathe. It's like we've made dating and relationships our oxygen. Not to say that um, it is not important. Yes, it is important, but it should not be our first priority because you are coming into a space where you are joining your life with somebody. So just to give a bit of a backdrop, um, I used to be a very notorious boy and probably, I mean, at my age, by that time, you'd find me, I mean, dating like five or six girls at once. And for me, that was like luxury because you walked in the, stri- in, in, in the streets of the township and then they praise you, you know, in the South African term, they would be like, that means like you are the top dog, you're the main man. So such aspects, our generation, because it was something that I was engulfed in, because the only thing you grow up thinking that I actually have to date and me dating, I have to date plus minus three or four girls so that I could get this contempt that the society imposes on me. So you find yourself running through relationships, getting your heart broken and all those things. I mean, that one would face in a relationship are absolutely demanding, like they are demanding. So I'm trying to bring in the expect that, yes, relationships are important, but we have to look at the before a relationship part so that we can, we can stop having, I mean, these precognments that we are facing in relationships. I think there's a paragraph, I'm not sure which one, and um, I think the first line says that um, relationships would have been way much more no, a heartbreak would have been much more better if you gotten a heartbreak from an, a perspective of somebody understanding themselves, not by getting a heartbreak by somebody who doesn't understand themselves. And to answer your question based on what do I mean finding yourself, uh, by the finding yourself is get what you are here for. 
get your priorities straight before you can get into somebody and engage with somebody. I'm not talking per se to this aspect of just, you know, dating for the sake of being young and enjoying. I'm talking in terms of sharing your life with somebody. I mean, which is, I won't speak on marriage because I'm not married as yet, <laughs> but talking to those who are like trying to live out their lives with somebody so that you know that if you've got your road or you've got your place and you have your means of what life is and why are you waking up each and every day? What is your goal? What is it that you have to achieve as a young person? So once you got those right, and then we are good to go because you know your direction of life of if I wake up today, I would know that, oh, okay, cool. I am actually having to do this one, two, and three, and four, and five. Either than dating somebody who doesn't understand what is it that they do. The only thing they think of, it's just I'm dating, and me dating is just waking up, eating, drinking, and going back to bed. But they lack the work aspect of life. And in terms of the psychological space, I was thinking, because we haven't really touched much in terms yeah. of the, the, the psychological space, because I wanted to think, I, I wanted to sort of tap into your mind yeah. Um, you said you're not going to touch the aspect of marriage, but it, you can touch the, the aspect of dating. And I was thinking about whether have you sort of thought deeper than just people are dating because, you know, this is a lifestyle or this is a norm or whatever. Yeah. But, but think, yeah. About, think about dating as a form of something that can affirm one's identity. And one's mm -hmm. identity, not from the context of you're the top dog because you've got X number of girlfriends or X number of boyfriends, yeah. whatever. Yes. Uh, a sense of identity in a sense. I'm saying this because at some point I once, um, I had a friend, a lady friend. <laughs> she wasn't that close to me though, in a sense, but mm -hmm. she had other friends who were succeeding in life, getting good jobs, you know, buying cars and whatever. And yes. she felt like her life is not making any progress on anything. She's not succeeding with nothing. Um, and then she found a boyfriend, but she cherished that relationship so much in a sense that to think about finding a job or pursuing a career or whatnot didn't seem like a very primary thing that she has to pay close attention to, but she now felt mm -hmm. like I need to pay close attention to the dating aspect and hold on to it because at least now I can say I've got something that makes me happy. So, so mm. I wanted to tap on your mind in the sense of, do we really understand the reasons behind people's dating apart from just, you know, uh, quickly dismissing and say, this is the reason. And, and, and I'm not talking about, players, people who yeah. want multiple partners and hiding or whatnot. I'm talking about that yeah. sometimes dating, same way as marriage, how some people would see marriage as an accomplishment, they would see marriage as a success, mm. you get what I'm saying. Mm. The fact that these things yeah. to some people has, got, has a certain deeper meaning than just let me do mm -hmm. this because it's a popular trend, you get what I'm saying. Great, and I like the fact great. that you touch. I like the fact that you do touch on the on, on aspects of not making you know this sort of your main priority. But I'm thinking also uh, in terms of how some people through dating and being committed and dedicated to that particular dating and having good partners, their partners help them discover a certain purpose of their lives. You know, they find mm -hmm. a sense of purpose. They, they find a sense of 
you know, very solid foundation of who they want to be and where they're yeah. going in life um, uh, whatsoever. So, so I don't know if, if I'm making sense on that, but to what extent do you, th- do you think it's important to even consider that, you know, in light of your chapter, is it important to consider the fact that for some people dating, you know, can be a certain level of accomplishment for, for some people they could, they might consider dating as, as a success, especially when they've got multiple failures in life, right? Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. terms of the relationship aspect, this seems to be something that is sort of alive. Therefore, let me cherish it and be more focused on this dating thing because school-wise, mm-hmm. I'm failing. Job-wise, I'm failing. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest, if I could give that answer to a yes, but I would actually be shooting myself on the toes because I see a lot of dangers in that uh, in, in that whole aspect of just dating because other life aspects are not working out. Yeah. Because um, if you are going to go into a relationship without having your roots deep in the soil, mm-hmm. it's much I mean, just an ex- a typical example of a tree, if it's not rooted enough, if winds come and so forth, and it will just be uprooted just like that. Mm-hmm. And what happens to you? Because however, when one is born, you are born alone. And the truth is that you're going to die alone, no matter it, whatever it is that you are want to do or so forth. So if you are going to constantly be in persuasion of, running to spend your life with somebody else. Meanwhile, you don't have your life together. It's absolutely going to be a burden on you and on the next part, especially on our partners, the next person, because instead of that person or instead of you guys growing the relationship, we are now living ourselves to growing each other in the relationship. And that's where problems are in because right now when the relationship does not grow, but we trying to make each other grow. It becomes very difficult because certain challenges that comes about and then it hinders us and it brings back certain memories. I mean, like in terms of healing and wounds and so forth, it, it brings back some wounds that may never heal and that jeopardizes the growth of the relationship. So before you have, before anything else, I think it's better for you to understand who you are. Date you first before you actually get to date somebody, which is what explains the title of the chapter, the first date. By the alternate meaning of the first, the first is you, and then date is somebody else. I mean, I mean, dating, you date somebody else. So it's first you, and then we come to the other part. But if you haven't yet found what makes you as a person, then you are literally going to, make the other partner suffer i mean what pay prices of things that they did not even probably damage and so forth here yeah uh that's very uh, interesting i like that let me just exhaust you in just two minutes or so can you uh talk us through because i felt like this is also one of the points that is very important in your book uh and you very take much pride on can you expand discouragement versus miscarriages you know, mm, if you can just mm, speak us through discouragement point. versus miscarriages, um, if you can just talk, talk us through that just for about a minute or so. 
Mm. Why, why did so, you feel like this is important to 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 be put in you know this work? And how does it how does it complete the entire puzzle when you've already spoken about success? You've already spoken about um, mm. dating and you know other aspects. Well, it goes back to the backdrop of a young person trying to grow up and trying to make life work, trying to find your meaning and purpose. So what one would find is that, of course, along the way, I mean, I mean, I think today when we speak of discouragement, it's some sort of, some sort of like we just, you know, it's a cliche because it's just there. It's just there. But I think with our generation, that's what's literally killing us each and every day. We are like oozing out of comfort and so forth because we are literally having this phenomenon that's just trying to, you know, cut our necks off and so forth. And that's discouragement. So I think one of, I think this is, yeah, it's one of my favorite quotes, I think, in, in, in the book where I say that um, discouragement does not only discourage you, but they also miscarriage you. So in, in, in the sense that if you try out something or if you try to find your way up, 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 up in life, and, um, there's some sort of a, a fighter that has to, uh, that has to like live out of you. Uh, because whether you want to or not, it's never ever going to be easy. You are always going to have certain challenges and so forth. So, what the disadvantage of discouragement is that when some when somebody is discouraged, that person is not only discouraged about that particular thing that they are doing, but other other aspects of their lives also experience or have that impact of feeling the impact of discouragement. So if you try by all means to prune out your life and trying to make it work for you, the discouragements will be there, whether you like it or not. But if you will ultimately shift your focus into the discouragement of that particular aspect, you will also affect the other spheres. I mean, if you, for instance, um, one of the greatest examples that um, I, I, I literally can uh, pull out and say, um, there came a point in my life where I was trying to change my life, but I could not do it because of all the criticisms that you will get of, uh, from the society. They tell you you are not good enough. You are this naughty boy that never had any hope of changing. And if you try to change, especially with friends, if you try and change and move out of that bad circle that you are in, they will tell you, I mean, you are just trying to be a better person, but it will not work out and you won't do it. And that on its own, there's a point whereby it really killed the zeal in me that I had to change. And it did not just kill that, but it affected how I reacted, I mean, in my different uh, spheres of life. In school, it changed. In family, it changed in a way. So once I allowed myself to eat up that discouragement that they were, that they were protruding through, uh, to me, it literally like affected all the other parts and everything suffers. So when I bring out the point of, of, of miscarriage, it's that 
everybody is impregnated with a baby and that baby is your purpose, your talent, your, your, your godly given uh, gift and so forth. If you allow those certain uh, discouragements to come towards you and that's where now you will be miscarrying that baby that you have because if you will allow this world, so it's like you were per se, allow me to be naughty, but you're eating abortion pills discouragements it's like an abortion pill once you eat it then it literally kills you like it causes a whole massacre in your life that you will like probably take a while to even recover back from it mm. so it's 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 just like that wow so yeah um i mean we can have the conversation for 24 hours or whatever the case but um at the same time uh, I'm, I'm glad that i had the conversation with you um I'm happy that I had a conversation with you. Um, I think what I ultimately wanted to do with this conversation is the fact that let me not give away to the reader everything that is on the book so that people can get the book themselves. You get what I'm saying? But I had to sort of yes, also sir. use a different spin. Like I said to you that I was going to do uh, something completely different to what other interviews um, that you've been through looked like, you know, in terms of let's just do a Q&A and not push back or whatever the case. But I was so much interested in the pushback because I think it's within the pushback that people can actually be even much more persuaded and feel like, oh, yeah, actually this guy knows what he's talking about. So perhaps putting the book on our hands is, is, is a good thing, you know. So once again, congratulations and thanks for taking the time to have a chat with me. Uh, in terms of this book, how can one get this book? How can they put their hand, how can this land in people's hands? Well, if you are in South Africa, of course, uh, it's very much easier to get it uh, because um, I do have a group of people that are like working with me back at home. So you can contact me. And how do you do that? It's either you go on Instagram at uh, blessed Sia underscore, but blessed with the triple S. Or you can either go on Facebook uh, at uh, Sia Masang and you can just uh, DM me from there. Or if uh, some for the others who knows you, of course, they can get my WhatsApp uh, contacts through mm-hmm. you and then they can just DM me and then we'll make arrangements. But for those who are outside of South Africa, currently in Russia, I ran out of copies and with this whole thing of going back home, it's bit of a problem and so forth so it's not very easy to get these copies in russia but it's available on amazon uh you can just go on amazon and search um uh, just um echoes of a young silent voice and it's uh, there in uh, i think the price i'm not sure about the price but it's there in amazon and uh, yes i think that's the only ways that you can get the book for now. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Blessed Sia or Sia Bonga Matlangu, the author of Echoes of a Young Silent Voice. As you heard him, how you can get hold of the book. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for um, always choosing the Visions and Tones podcast. We are out. (laughs)